Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark. I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here in these podcasts. We're back with the second of two podcast episodes based on seminars from this year's Fellowship of Word and Spirit conference, Live the Word. Last week, we heard from James Hughes talking about discipleship and particularly the value of the catechism, the uh, Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer in our discipleship. This week, uh, we're thinking uh, with the help of George Crowder about evangelism and the role of the word in evangelism. And uh, if you are anything like me, simply hearing the word evangelism can make you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Whenever you have some chat or conversation or seminar or think about evangelism, it tends to be about what stuff do you do, what stuff that you might do that I do that you should try. It's that kind of conversation. It's all right. I do this new thing. Ooh, a new thing. I've tried that new thing. Yes, a new thing. I just do this old cause. I still do that. Yeah, but I get 20 people on it. Oh. I only get six people on my new thing. I tried the new cause. Oh, I tried that. I couldn't understand it. If I can't understand it, what chance have the people I'm teaching got to understand it? I do a big thing. A thousand people come that we've never seen before. And we never saw again. (laughs) But you never know. (laughs) Woe is me. For I fear, I am crippled by reticence, I tread softly around the stranger. Perhaps a little cautious with offering compassion, but then withdraw. I don't do enough evangelism. Uh, Downcast is my weary soul. There's different responses, is there, to a conversation? So I want to get it out of the way, get it, just clear, clear the decks with, with this quote. What do you do? Well, we did as we were told. We got into groups and, and discussed what we did. Uh, for many of us, or at least me, that was really talking about what do we do as a church uh, rather than necessarily as an individual. And that's a really worthwhile question to think about. What do you do as a church by way of evangelism? Do you do big things? Do you do old things? Do you do a new course? Do you do events? Do you rely on individuals? What do you do and how do you encourage evangelism in your church? George is going to give us four different models for evangelism uh, based on Uh, more or less, uh, biblical ideas. And as you listen to him uh, explain those four different models, maybe worth thinking about what do you do as a church and does it fit with one or more of those models? Are there some of these models that perhaps you're overlooking altogether? There are lots of things we do, and I'm not wanting to say any of them are good or bad or better. Um, I think we should think about why we do them. And this is not necessarily saying we do different things, but thinking about the reason we do the things we do. Uh, Because we could apply these these things I want to talk about, these models, to any of the things we do. Uh, But I want to step back and think about why we do them. Uh, And uh, 
I got, oh gosh, there we go. The four models that sort of are in the New Testament. <laughs> Don't try and tie me down too much to the exegesis. <laughs> but, 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 so I'm going to go through those models. Um, you can tear them apart if you want to, and, and they may get better for it. Uh, but just let's think about these. So the first one is Areopagus, and that's the idea that you're just trying to open a channel to people and get the word to them directly. Uh, the Great Commission is you're trying to equip people uh, to them, for them to take the word. Uh, and then Pentecost, you're sort of equipping a community, and they become the bearers of the word. Uh, and then in Antioch, the community then sort of sends other people to start another community, uh, and they become the bearers of the word. So let's look at that in a bit more detail. First one is Areopagus. Okay, there's the word of God. We're thinking about how we use the word in evangelism. Paul tries to connect with them, and he connects with them through finding out what their idols are and talking about them first. Uh, so their idol might be cricket or golf or beer or wine. Or and so you sort of say, come along, it's your idol. But then you say, no, it's, it's not the idol. Think about the idol will not deliver what you want to do, but it's a gift. I always think about the giver of the gift. And, and the other gifts that he gives. And, and, you, and you've got to weigh it. Uh, and so you connect with people directly and you're trying to get the word to them. And you see the, 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 the sermons and acts take, it's biblical theology, aren't they? They, they take uh, the people through the whole story uh, and tell them the truth about God from creation and why Christ came. And you, you're just trying to connect directly with people with the word and, and share the good news and then start a conversation. So at the end of Paul's sermon in Acts 17, some of them mocked him and some of them said, we'd like to hear more about this. So you've got a conversation, and you might be able to carry on that conversation in a course, or, or a one-to-one, or something like that. So that's kind of standard fare for evangelism, isn't it? Okay, next one. The Great Commission. Jesus says, make disciple-making disciples. Now, some of us are into this, aren't we? We want to use the Word of God to equip people in our church so that they become the bearers of the Gospel. So they live uh, Gospel lives, uh, and they attract people uh, to that, and they bring people along. I say, so we do the same event, but we say, bring a friend along. Talk to them about what's going on. But before that, we'll teach them and train them, perhaps use a little bit of a course, or perhaps do some stuff in the morning service and preaching, just to equip them, to get them confident, and that you're the bearers of the gospel. So you're disciples, but every disciple is a disciple making disciple. You can't not be, you can't be a disciple without being an evangelist. You're both. Uh, so, so we do that. Uh, and through personal witness and bringing people to events and courses, and through following them up personally, then that, that's how we get to non-Christians. So the word is actually equipping the disciple-making disciples who then reach out to people. So you may have seen that. Okay. Next one. Um, at the end of uh, Peter's speech in Acts 2, those famous verses, chapter, verses 42 to 47, what happens when the word gets into them, they form a community, and it's this beautiful picture of church, uh, and uh, they, 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 they listen to the teaching. I originally had teaching there, then Mark Luke said, I shouldn't say teaching, I said preaching. But it says teaching, and, and fellowship particularly. So this community is the vehicle for the gospel. Uh, people see the community, uh, and, uh, and sitting under them, teaching the apostles, loving one another, breaking bread together, praying together, uh, and... And that's the vehicle by which other people come into faith. So whenever we do evangelism, we take a, 
a group of Christians, uh, tell them to be church, uh, and then we sort of be, be, be open and on display. It's that kind of thinking. Um, what might be a priority here? Well, devotion to prayer, because you did God, that's the Lord who added to the number. So you up the ante on the praying, because uh, you, know, you know you depend on God. So um, I got convicted by this and changed the monthly prayer meeting into a weekly prayer meeting. Well, not many people are going to come, but we will be praying every week. And we'll be praying for the Lord to add to our number, and we know we depend on him. So we'll put prayer really high on the agenda. Um, welcome. We feel quite relaxed about just being a community of believers that welcome people in, into, our, into our number. And being out in the community and just doing things that people see us as Christians doing stuff. We're relaxed about that. It's part of the process. And, and when we get the opportunity to witness, we will, but we will do it together. We will witness up to our fellowship, which is rooted in the word, uh, and then we'll draw people in like that. So, so that, that's, that's, that's another th- little sort of model, a way of thinking of reaching on Christians. I, I like this sort of thing, and it's been quite inspiring for me. Um, another one, um, love Antioch, don't you? The, the, people, the, 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 uh, the apostles were scattered, the Christians were scattered. Uh, end up in Antioch and then the people in Antioch first to become Christians. But what happens there? Paul and Barnabas come along and they spend ages just teaching them. Teaching them and encouraging them and discipling them and helping them to grow in their faith. And then what happens? Well, there's a famine in Jerusalem. A big church in Jerusalem. It's built tiny Antioch. And they punch above their weight and send help. And then what do they do? Well, their best people, they send to go and start a church somewhere else. Uh, and, and, and sacrifice having them with them. So, so they become a community of the word and then they send help and they send people which starts a new little community of the word who starts <coughs> doing the same thing. Now they will be doing the same sort of you know, evangelistic social events, talks, you know, the same sort of events but this is the way they're thinking of, of doing it and this is more of a church planting model. How's the, what's the best way in which we can evangelise this part of our community? Probably to go and stick a thing in there that with some people gathering, that we can draw people into. How are we going to start that? So that's thinking more about how we're going to use the word of God in evangelism to create not just a community of the word, but then more little communities of the word. Okay, can you see those four different ways of thinking about uh, the things that we do? So I want you now to go back. Oh, well, I'll give you some examples. Before you go back into the group, here's some thoughts and examples. So I did a beer tasting evening. So this is a kind of Areopagus kind of thing. Beer is the idol, and they come to worship the idol. Um, I hap- now, it's contextual, isn't it? I happen to have some people who own a brewery who come to my church, and the beer is of a very high quality. Uh, and uh, I brought some, actually I was going to show you some bottles. But, uh, so they come along, and, and I talk about their idol, and then I say, actually, God gives us this gift, and he's the giver, what a great giver he is. And here are the gifts that he gives, and they're much better than even beer. I'll do that to the talk. And, and I, I could do that from almost any part of the New Testament. And it, people came. We walked from my vicarage to where that place was, and we literally picked people up off the street to come to this thing. We've got a beer even. Do you want to come? All right. Um, uh, now, here's the downside. The, the biggest question I keep getting asked about that, when you do another one of them beer evenings. 
So you probably all, James has got a better one of these, a little course to help people grow in their confidence in evangelism. This one was based on the Glyn Harrison book, A Better Story, uh, trying to, people think about telling Jesus' story, telling their own story, and thinking about the big story of Christ's mission and being confident about it. I'm sure you have a positive version. So you, you, you do that course, you get people more confident, and then hopefully they bring people along to this, and more conversations than just my talk go on during the event. So here's something that's a bit like, uh, it's not quite as big as what Rob does. We, we do a street festival. We do get a thousand people along to this thing. Um, and again, like Rob said, I've tried every way to try and preach. I can't preach the gospel from that stage. I have done. It just gets lost. Uh, it's, uh, we, we have little, like, people can come and chat and pray. We tried every single thing. Singing, dancing, tried it all. Uh, what this does best, though, is show a community of the Word working hard in the community to bring something good to them. And they see us sacrificing ourselves to put on an event. They love it. They love this. And it takes a while to bear fruit. But in two or three years, we've had people, oh, yeah, the first time I saw the first thing that got me thinking about St. John's Church, you put on that street festival. We meant to come to church, and then we never got round to it. Then we went to the event next year. So it's just a slow thing. So I don't feel too bad about the fact that we do try and put as many gospel things as possible, but it, it just, it's just our community, our work community that we're doing something that's very, very visible. Um, Organising a music festival in Winsford is easy. You can do it in a week's organisation time because there's a load of musicians who will just come along and play for nothing. It's just that kind of place. And not many places like that, are they? Um, I'm sure you do this. We have a, a service where we bring some classes from the school along to take part in the service. And, um, and that brings their parents and their families along with them. It's a nice open sort of thing. gives us a great opportunity. Uh, and we get to show being the people of the world, uh, together, singing God's praises, talking about it. Uh, and that's a, you know, some of you, like Ros was saying, just being church so people can see. That's what we Okay, oh, and the uh, last thing we do, or we just did, uh, we couldn't do this on our own, too small, but we're in a partnership of seven churches in Cheshire, we got together and planted a church in Crewe, which didn't really have a gospel ministry. Uh, very difficult, tried to get it through the structures, totally failed, uh, it's now a lovely only plant, it's doing really well, it's doing really well, uh, and and uh, we couldn't send people, but we were able to send a bit of help. Some of our churches sent people. Uh, and so four models there, um, that of the Areopagus, trying to just get the word out at any opportunity to as many people as possible. The Great Commission, where we're thinking not so much about making disciples as enabling everybody to be disciple makers in our church. The Pentecost model, particularly there, George, thinking about um, being church together and how that in itself is a witness to the community and draws people into faith. And then finally, the Antioch model, the, the church planting model, where what you really do is focus on building up and growing your church family so that you can then start another church family.
Really interesting to think about how uh, you might be doing some or all of those things in a church. I really liked as well that George pointed out that last uh, example of church planting. I think we tend to think of that as something which only larger churches can be involved in. If you're in a very small church, if you've got you know, fewer than 50 people, say, on a Sunday. Really hard to imagine how you could effectively start a, a plant from that church. But he's talking there about an example where seven churches got together and were able together to establish a new church, which none of them on their own would be able to do. Some of them were able to send people. Not all of them were able to do that. But they were all able to commit to pray and help in other ways. So that also might be something worth thinking about in your local area. The rest of the seminar we spent uh, discussing in groups, different uh, things that we do, different models that work. Um, and I'm just going to share with you uh, not just some, some of George's comments, but actually um, there were one or two people in the room whose voices I think were loud enough that we could hear them, even though they were not sitting next to the microphone, with some really helpful uh, examples and suggestions of things which uh, they had done, which they found really effective. And the first of those uh, was Alex Ross. Alex, who for many years was vicar at St. James Muswell Hill and is now retired. And he has a, a model for thinking about different kinds of events uh, and different things that the church might be doing to reach out to the community. Yeah, we, yeah uh, and this is really for the church. So we have social only events, which are dead easy to invite anybody to. So we had a Cayley uh, last month on Burns Night, and that was a complete sellout. But as you say, the ones with an event plus the talk, I think they're really on the down there. And then the other one we have, it, so that would be two S's, social and speaker. And then three S's are speaker, uh, social and sign up, which would be Christianity Explored or something like that. But it just, that's what we've tried to do over the years, have a variety of those things. But I think the social only is the one today. Or I, I increasingly think setting up something like your friends up in Yorkshire, just setting up, we set up services uh, in the, just started a new service in the country, when I was in Tottenham, we started a new service on the Broadwater Farm, uh, and we did it in uh, Muswell Hill. And every time, God has blessed those, because we've just gone for what we are, Christians, meeting, uh, and had those three values of the early church, devoted to the apostolic teaching, devoted to prayer, and devoted to uh, friendship. And I just think it's right, just go for it. Uh, how, do you, do you, how do you publicise that? Uh, well, interestingly, I, I can remember this last one we just done. We just went round all the houses with an invite. And all we did was invite people. And we have now, just as a result of those invites, and this is the countryside, village stuff. Because they brought it all to farm in Tottenham. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that sounds very country, but that wasn't uh, broadwater farm. No, that was tough. But again, we had uh, people going round door to door. We had Christians getting into poverty, getting into the community. And it wasn't big stuff, but it's a regular Sunday morning service that people came to. And in the country we did say, and we gave these invites out, and we have over 20 people who turned up just through invites to a Sunday service. I was shocked by that. And they're still coming a year and a half later. So I think we just should go for, just go for it. 
and just to come to that, I think there might be another S that is worth looking at, which is story. That actually, and sometimes we go speaker because we've got to get the whole message in. Actually, I think there is still a place for social and story, um, which isn't trying to do the message thing, but is simply explaining how faith is lived. And, and, and people are actually interested in that. And we found events where that, where we're not really doing much more than just giving a bit of testimony, but not one that's engineered to try and make it a, you know, two ways to live or something, but actually just simply how a person lives faith. People are quite interested in that. But the other point I was to make is I think I'm, I'm challenged, I'm working this through, but you know, common grace is a great foundation for sharing saving grace. And common grace is eroding. Family, community, it's all falling apart. And, and I'm persuaded at the moment that building places that rebuild those things um, is part of our calling. And, and I've sort of gone under the sort of, you know, we've got to be good news as well as bring good news. We've, we've actually got to show that Christ is, is uh, a blessing. You know, the feeding 5,000, the word 5,000 on, on Resurrection Day is still following. You know, there's a lot of blessing that Christ does because God is good and his goodness and grace is <coughs> the world. And I, and I think so, there is sometimes we've, we've um, that's a harder work road judgmentally, it takes longer, but um, we found those sorts of events that bring community together. Firstly, non-Christians don't want to do it, but if you do it, people do take a step towards you. And I mean, we say we don't think that's evangelism, but we do think it's helping build the bridge so that you can have those conversations, and not mixing the two, because the church could easily just do social events, but um, it is worthwhile, I think is what I'm trying to say, that I think historically... We dined out on that. I think the church was the centre of the community. We did it by default because nobody else did it. We built the community. We were planting schools, you know, in the 1800s, early 1900s, planting schools, you know, the centre of the community. We did all the social events. That's just what people did. But we've forgotten that actually that's part of a blessing because it's not by human nature, in full human nature, we fragment and we tear down those blessings of God. So I think there is a place to do that, as long as we don't confuse it with that sharing the gospel. And our problem is, at the moment in some areas, is getting people to actually then share the gospel. Mm. To, to get, you've got relationships, but when are you actually going to tell them that, you know, about Jesus? Alex Ross there, followed by Rob Munro. I don't think we can ever overestimate the value of a personal invitation, uh, being willing to go and knock on somebody's door and invite them. Uh, I think often in churches we're quite good at putting things through somebody's door, but knocking on their door, being able to say, I'm Roz, I'm, I'm from the local church and we are starting a new service or a new church, we'd love to invite you to come and join us. And yes, you have to be willing for quite a lot of people to, to slam the door in your face. But also quite a lot of people say, huh, that's really interesting. I've never thought about going to church. And then you have a chance to invite them. And, and as Alex said, often people will surprise you by being willing to come uh, after that kind of invitation. Somebody asked a question about whether we are falling out of love with the big mission event or the big mission week, whether maybe you get a team of people come and help your church do things. Maybe you get a big name speaker, the sort of big mission events. Are those things falling out of favour 
at the moment in the church. Here's what George uh, had to say about that. Um, I can only speak from my own personal experience, and I think it'd be good to get people, other people to reflect. Um, I think the reason we're falling out of love with it is because it doesn't work. Um, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I mean that because our culture is so far away from from Christian Christianity, so far away and so sort of disparate and fragmented. They just won't come like they used to come. Uh, it's hard to invite them along. It's not that I don't love this kind of event and think, don't think we should do it. And I'm sure you, others might say, here's a way in which we got people stepping stones to this event. Rico Tice does this thing, doesn't he, where he says, he used to do the bridge to life. And you'd have the, sort of, you know, the valley in the middle and you put the cross there. And people would hear and, and the cross and Jesus would be here and that's all you had to do. Uh, and, then, and then a bit later on, ten years on, well, there was a long road to get to the bridge. And you had to get them on the road and drive them along to the bridge. And then you could do the bridge to life. And he says, now, we're on a different planet <laughs> from the road to the bridge. And it's just so much further away. And, and, and so, you know, I remember Rob saying uh, how many, you know, to get those people on his Explorer courses. And I said, wow, how would you do that? You just put a sign up. And you can't do that anymore. You can't just put a sign up saying, you know, Fun, fun and food even, funny. But you might be able to in some contexts. But I think that's right. I think in very few places people will come just from having seen a sign. Uh, they might come if they'd seen it on the Facebook page, perhaps, of somebody they actually know. And they might say to that person, well, are you going to that event that you mentioned on your Facebook page? Do you think maybe I could come with you? Possibly. Or they might be even more likely to come if you said to them, oh, you know that thing I put on my Facebook page that you liked? Well, I'm going to that. Do you want to come along? Personal invitations, uh, whether they're face-to-face uh, or online uh, or in whatever way uh, you communicate these days, I, I think are surely the key uh, to people actually coming along and, and hearing the word. Finally, George reminded us that this doesn't happen overnight. Uh, Paul and Barnabas spent a long time in Antioch teaching and building up that church. Uh, Jesus spent a long time with his disciples, making them into disciple makers. It takes time and it also takes prayer. And so we just finished uh, with George explaining the thing that made the biggest difference in his church. Uh, Barnabas and Paul spent a long time teaching and, and encouraging the brothers and sisters in Antioch and they might not have been doing that much in the way of outreach during that time um, and it, you might need a bit of patience with that it's the sort of thing that you want oh, if we can do these events where we connect with, the, with our community but then oh, they don't feel, feel confident enough to share Christ and, and it does take a while to build people up in that doesn't it but the other, the, the common thread the strongest common thread with us is, is how We've tried this and we've tried that and it was nice to do it. But in the end, it's the Lord who adds to our number. And the, and the change, Alec had done this, the change to being fo much more focused on prayer had the biggest impact. Uh, and that was where the change happened. Uh, if, if uh, certainly in my church, when we started praying weekly rather than monthly, when we started doing tons more stuff with prayer. So prayer was really high on the agenda. 
people just started turning up in ways we could never imagine uh, and, and we couldn't take credit for. So plenty there to go away and think about, which is good because we are taking a little break uh, from our weekly podcast episodes for Easter. There will be no new podcast on Monday of Holy Week or on Easter Monday, which means we will be back on April the 29th. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to put up a post next week with the top 10 Church Society podcast episodes ever. I wonder if they will be your favourite episodes. There may be some uh, that you've missed from the early days of the podcast. Uh, they were not um, the ones that I necessarily would have expected uh, always to be the most popular episodes. Uh, so if there is some there that you've missed, you'll have a chance to catch up with those uh, over the Easter break. We will also have the recordings of Tim Ward's talks from the Fellowship of Word and Spirit conference. As I say, those may be a little bit more demanding than our usual podcast episodes, uh, but really well worth it. So again, if you've got a little bit of time over Easter, do uh, check those out, uh, and I'm sure you will find that uh, helpful and stimulating. We will be back, uh, as I say, at the end of April. I hope you have uh, a nice holiday, that you get some rest and enjoy uh, celebrating our risen Lord Jesus this Easter. Mm-hmm.